0: Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Maworder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. We have our second and third international guests on the podcast this week. We timed it with Fort Lauderdale, the first major of the season. Uh, this week in February, it's stretching from the end of February to the first week of March. So this week we have the top Canadian team, Sam Schachter and Sam Pedlow. And if you have not heard of them, then you are obviously not on Instagram, as Sam Pedlow probably has curated the one of the best Instagram accounts in all of sports. And Casey, Casey uh, Patterson and Stafford Slick were joking that when they were in town to train in Hermosa Beach for two weeks that it was just a social media battle. So this was a fun one with the top Canadians, and I also wanted to make a quick announcement that the winner of our giveaway, our signed ball with Amanda Doughty and Avery Dross, kudos of Wilson Volleyball, goes to Francis Padre. So if, if you can't recall, our contest was to comment on our Instagram the best quote from Sandcast, and Francis went with, and I quote, that's how you know you made it. When Alexa knows your name, April Ross, Alexa, who is tri-born? to which Alexis said absolutely nothing. Alexa, you're embarrassing me. We liked that one. It gave us a good laugh. To the rest of you who commented, we appreciate you guys entering and be on the lookout for more giveaways in the future. And for now, enjoy our podcast with the Sams. is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Try Bourne and Travis Mouerter, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com We are back in our Bourne on the Beach studios and we have some out of
1: town guests in the house today. First international group. Try, you want to give them the introduction? And from up north in Canada, (laughs) the Sams. Thanks for having us, boys. Pedlow and Schachter.
0: Yeah, so let's I guess let's clarify which Sam is which. So Sam Pedlow, how are we doing?
2: I'm doing let's fantastic. Let's hear that voice. Yeah, this is me, Beard and All. The Canadian McKibben. The beard voice. <laughs> the third beard, actually. The third uh, beard. Okay, I like that.
1: I like that. They call me the Stubble. No. <laughs> the beard and the stubble. Instead of calling you guys Sam, those that can be your nicknames. The Stubble? Yeah, I, the I guess we're going to the beard. We're gonna have to establish <laughs> clear God, guidelines a already. There. <laughs> God. Poor nickname, Troy. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to go that way. <laughs> you gave it to yourself.
0: Yeah. So you guys are in town for your sort of preseason training, getting ready for the major in Fort Lauderdale. This is kind of becoming an annual thing for you guys, right? Because I know you came in town last year. And such so began the Instagram battle between Canada and the U.S. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I think when you're confined to an indoor facility for the winter, you, you got to pick somewhere to go. And it's either been California or, or go down to Brazil, um, which we did both last year. But uh, yeah, it's kind of always in February. The indoor facility gets a little tired and uh, it's time to get outside and get some sun and, and start to train with some some higher quality teams and uh in our case this this week was the time we decided to do it we're here till february 7th and uh we'll just continue our outdoor training camp down in florida before the five star
0: what's what's the training like in indoor facilities like how many of them are there because they're starting to pop up a little bit more in the u.s Uh, And and we just saw a tournament played in The Hague in an indoor facility. Do you guys have them, like, a fair amount, or is it like... Uh,
3: There's about three main ones in Ontario, or Toronto, the Toronto GTA area, and then there's one big one in Vancouver that I know of. So there's a few, a couple recreational. One is the national team facility where, you know, most of us train out of, and... I mean, there's a lot of outdoor courts in the summer, but for for indoor, it's not that many, but there's a bunch of courts, so it's a pretty good uh, scene down there.
0: At what point do you guys start to train outside? Because I I don't know if you're familiar with the Baumgarten brothers, uh, the Minnesota guys on the AVP tour. Yeah. I remember when they took third in New Orleans in 2015, I think, and the tournament was in May, and they had only begun to touch a ball like three weeks before because there was still snow on the ground. At what point do you guys, like, can you start to train
2: outside? I mean, a lot of it's about how prepared you are. I've been outside as early as April, and before we went to the Continental Finals last year, I guess it was two years ago now, we actually trained outside into November. So a rough rule for me, at least, is if it's above 10 degrees, then it's okay to go outside. And funny enough, yesterday we trained and it was 9 degrees at the start of practice in California, so I broke my own rule. (laughs) Um, But you got to be prepared. You know, a lot of guys are wearing leggings. We're wearing merino wool leggings. So uh, as long as you can keep the feet warm and the hands warm, it's okay to be outside. But the earliest I've ever been outside is the start of April, and then the latest is into November. But... You know, as you get into May, you're pretty safe to stay outside. And if you can get to Thanksgiving, then it's been a pretty good summer.
1: Wait, you're saying nine degrees? Oh, We're talking Celsius. Celsius. I don't know
2: Fahrenheit at all. So I have no (laughs) comparison. At first I was like, there's uh, there's
1: no way it was nine degrees. (laughs) Nine Um, degrees Celsius. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. It's got to be in the low 50s. Listen, if you're cold, then it's freezing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wherever all of us Americans are dying, if, if you guys are
3: cold. Well, let me just say that... April is crazy. I uh, like I've never trained outside in April in Canada. That's just pet low.
1: Oh, are they- <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Are they I think talking about the April the roster. He's like, "Whoa, dude, April's going to listen to this." <laughs> Let me tell you something. April's crazy. She's training out in 8 degrees. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think the summers are so short in Canada that I mean even in Vancouver, they don't get snow, but the temperature gets quite low and they people will play outside all year round. Like there'll be snow or Frost on the sand around the courts, and then you'll see where people are playing, and and it's just turned over sand. So, people are pretty excited uh, about warm weather in Canada. So as soon as we get any indication it will it will be even mild outside, people are are trying to train or do outdoor activities. So when I get my my
1: Hawaii off season training group together, you guys you guys are in. Like you're going to come to Toronto? No, no, no. we're <laughs> we're all going to Hawaii. But we just said we start in April. Let's go. Oh yeah, well. We'll see. No. We, we'd be more than happy to, uh, to head to the, the Outrigger Canoe Club. Yeah, we could, we could definitely hit up Outrigger. There we go. We could play on the baby. Do we have to start on the baby courts, yes. though? We do? Initiation. Okay. <laughs> and you, can move, you move your way inland to the big court. Okay.
0: All right. We're in.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Done. I feel like any time it just shows, talking to you guys just shows us what, what a big baby I've become. Like, if it's, like, 45 degrees outside, I'm like, can't play, sand socks, sweatpants, <laughs> sweatshirt, got to wait at least an hour. Yeah. And then you guys are like, well, it's warm enough, it's 9 degrees,
2: <laughs> Yeah, going. Yeah, Friday was a tough one. I thought we might get the call while we were already at the beach, because we show up at least half an hour early for most practices, and so it's even colder. So, 7.30 on Friday, it was... Pretty cold, and I thought we might get the late call of, "Hey guys, we need an extra hour before we get going." But uh, Jake and Taylor were troopers, and uh, yeah, we just had to run around quite a bit. A couple games of volus to start to get warmed up—that's for sure.
1: What's the best trick uh, to keep the the feet warm? Sand socks, socks under the sand socks? Maybe what's the what's the most you've seen? Because that's definitely going to be me when I get back out there. Sand socks does it does a trick for me. I don't know. I mean. I don't do the wool, that's up. overkill I've me. never
2: been so cold that I had to do more than sand socks.
1: Okay. See, I'm a
2: wimp. Yeah, but we're from, you know, when it gets to zero degrees Celsius, all the kids in high school are in shorts and T-shirts Whoa. because it's it's warming up. Summer is here. So, I mean, I have never played in a situation where I'm like, man, I need more than sand socks. All
1: right. Got it. <laughs> I got bad blood flow, so my feet are, like, going numb over here. <laughs> I had to wear Uggs <laughs> one practice. <laughs> you you and tom brady the ug cover yeah Yeah, I was (laughs) (laughs) well this is the thing
2: like uggs in california are it's a little bit cold so let's throw on our uggs people in toronto are wearing uggs and it's minus 40 and that's their winter boot right and here it's just it's fast fashion yeah it's fashion exactly
1: that's what i was going for i had no shirt on but i had uggs yeah you got to keep the lower body warm (laughs) but let everyone know what you've been working on yeah exactly and
0: so, I mean, American fans have seen you guys You did pretty well in Long Beach mm-hmm. last year, right? And so how has the training been with Jake and Taylor And you guys played with Casey and Stafford And if our listeners did miss him I mean, we joke about the Instagram battle But I look for them every single day Look for videos Because, I mean, you guys have some, Wait, some what great Instagram Let game me,
1: I've, I've been out of I've been I, out of the loop And I'd like to get in on this battle I think it's, it is. A, it's a self-proclaimed
2: rivalry <laughs> oh. By Casey and Slick um, oh, I got it Because they know I'm quite active on social media, which, you know, I take pride in that. In Canada, beach volleyball is not uh, as publicized as it is in the States. You know, your your AVP is televised, and they do a great job of making sure everybody knows who you are. And in Canada, we don't play hockey, so it's a situation where if we want people to know who we are, we we got to do some work, do some groundwork, and... uh, you know, anytime we come down and play the Americans and get them involved in the videos, it's good for us uh, because all their fans are watching them, and, and you know, maybe they become Sam Times 2 fans. Um, so Casey knew that some videos would go up uh, as soon as we got down here, and he made sure to let his followers know that all of our videos are, in fact, fake and staged. <laughs> uh, and none of his are fake and staged. Uh, so, yeah, I usually throw a couple of spectacular plays up from practice if, if there are any, and... Uh, the problem is every everyone who's playing knows they're in good fun, but those who are watching don't always know they're in good fun. Um, <laughs> so you get some backlash, and uh, and then we make jokes about there being a social media battle, so people think we're kind of going at each other. But uh, yeah, it's it's all in good fun, and I don't post a whole lot of rallies we don't win. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I'm throwing up a blooper reel on Monday, which I'm pretty excited about, with all the uh, yeah the misplays of the first week. So that'll oh, be entertaining. I like it.
0: And you guys are in town for another week till next Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. So what's what's on the itinerary while you're here?
3: Same core group. I think we're going to be training with uh, Jake and Taylor and Casey and uh, Slick. And then, uh, I don't know, I mean, just we're just here to ball and train and work out. We're working out at Velocity, which is just an amazing gym that we get so much out of there. And those guys are so nice for letting us... Uh, letting us train out of there, because, you know, we're not in a normal setting, we're not in a normal environment, so just kind of feeling like it's our second home here is it's just the best place to, to train in my mind. I mean, we trained down in Brazil, but it's tough there, because, you know, no English, really, so... Uh, you know, coming here plus, I mean, we get to hang out with you fellas, and it's it's nice to see.
2: Right. a so lot now, of people. now, we're here. in yeah. traction. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why we come down for training camp every year now because of this. Exactly. <laughs> so I think when you go down to this, tradition. I think when you go down to Brazil too, it's different. Um, I think North American. I always say this: North American style volleyball is pretty similar. We know if we're playing a, a team from the states, we all kind of play the same indoor volleyball, beach volleyball style. When you go down to Brazil, sometimes it's a little bit different. The way they coach and the way they run their practices and facilitate their practices they're very individualized so we went down with allison and bruno last year and yeah you got to get used to that training environment right and then you come here and it's it's very similar to what we do in canada so we know what to expect when we come here we can kind of program ourselves with respect to how heavy the load will be what type of rest we'll need um, and then we know for sure what teams will be playing i think the hardest thing is when when we come down here You know, we don't come down here to do reps per se, right? So the load is quite high. We're always competing with uh, another team five days a week. We don't have our coach down here with us right now. You're listening to Sandcast, Beach
0: Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mewerter, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more volleyballmag.com the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day this podcast is also brought to you by marriott vacation club rentals which offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations wherever you travel florida to fort lauderdale for the first major in february or to the outrigger canoe club in hawaii <laughs> you're up to california choose to rest now luxurious guest room suites or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit
2: www.mvcrentals.com. Um, so the low tide, that's why we take the weekends off, but it's its what we signed up for. I mean, if, if we wanted to cruise, we can stay in Canada on the indoor facility and cruise, but it's time to start to get fired up. Sun's out. So let's play some volleyball.
3: I mean, the one thing about going down to Brazil is they have about 10 coaches for every team. So if you want to get reps in, it's an amazing place to do it because they just got like two coaches who they call the shoulder. And oh, they're yeah. just like on a box <laughs> mashing balls at you. And it's just I mean, it's, it's unbelievable training. And I mean, the team quality and depth out there is just as good as it is here. So
1: you can basically just like go down to the beach and like just like walk up to some of these guys and be like, hey, uh, I'll I'll. I'll take you for the day. And I'll just what, like pay them, right? Yeah. I'll tell you what the huge indicator is for for
3: the level of of skill down there is like even their scrub teams are like would kill the scrub teams in Canada. Oh yeah. They're just so good. Everyone has like good technique, good fundamentals. It looks like everyone was taught like this Brazilian style technique, which is kind of flawless.
0: I feel like a Brazilian scrub team is almost an
2: oxymoron. Like
0: it, <laughs> just don't yeah, exist.
2: I mean, if they're still playing volleyball in Brazil on the Brazilian tour, they've had to beat out enough teams that they know what they're doing. Like Sam said, uh, I don't think there's any scrub Brazilian teams. If you're still playing on the Brazilian tour, you have kind of established yourself as a legit volleyball player. Uh, when we went down to train in Brazil, you know, it was such a unique experience. We didn't even warm up together with Allison and Bruno. Uh, they would have coaches for us to warm up with, and they would have a team for us to warm up with as well who played on the Brazilian tour, who was lower level. But even then, they're, they're pushing us. So uh, it's, it's also a great environment to train. It's different than the States, but, you know, it has its advantages too.
1: Yeah, you're, not get, you're definitely not getting that kind of training out here. I mean, half the time you're like, Asking a friend to come out to like, so you don't have to shag a million balls by yourself out here. Like to have like four coaches, that that's gonna cost you like a few hundred bucks to yeah. get that out here.
2: Yeah, and and we would show up, and then the court would be built, like mm-hmm. the net would be up. They'd put a barrier around it. There'd be people shagging balls. The Allison and Bruno actually have a... Um, Uh, a trailer that sits next to the court and it's got all the everything they need all the boxes all the balls it's awesome it's got their olympic uh podium photo on the side of it It, it's pretty cool down there yeah it's
3: beautiful those coaches want to be there you can tell Mm -hmm. it's like that is a prime it's like a primo job for them because i don't know what's going on if they have other options but it's like those guys are all dialed in everyone's got a job everyone's doing something so
1: so, I'm, I definitely want to get down there and, and be a part of that. They get
0: USAV, if you're listening, just jot a couple notes down, maybe have a job opening for a shoulder guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> What's the salary for shoulder guy? We're going gonna, we're gonna, to put that, every that out there. today, other day, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Health insurance is at a premium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, I mean, you guys, to even to be training with Allison and Bruno, I mean, Sam Pedo, you were the... 2017 FIVB most improved player did you see yourself being in that situation this early because that was kind of a, a quick jump for you I know that you and Grant O'Gorman Agor- yep had played very well mm-hmm. and then to be kind of getting the opportunity for you guys to, to train with the Olympic gold medalist that was probably kind of a an eye-opening moment I would think
2: yeah I think you know, Grant and I were kind of under the radar climbing the ladder for the last two years before we ended up uh, calling it quits. And and I knew we still had potential left. Um, but when I made the switch to Sam and and we had some early early success, I think I realized how good we could possibly be. And I've always had a good relationship with Bruno. I've always talked to him um, at length at tournaments um, and we discussed potentially going down there a year previous uh, and then the opportunity came up before Rio again and and we jumped at it. I mean, if you have the opportunity to train with those guys, you're going to take it. Uh, So that was pretty special. And yeah, I mean, I've always seen our team as being that good and, and worthy of, of, worthy isn't the right word, but you know, being able to be competitive and create a high-performance environment for both teams—it um, wasn't like we were going there and they were using us as a training team, um, which is sometimes the case depending on who you're training with. You know, it was a mutual, a mutually beneficial training camp, and I think that's what makes the best training camps is is when both teams are getting a lot out of it.
3: Yeah, I, I, it's so funny when when you think about teams like Allison Bruno. I mean, as as blessed as we feel to go down there and train with those guys. At the same time, when you think about it, they're probably not going to invite Phil and Nick over there, right? Because you don't want they don't want to train against the other top dogs. So I would almost think that it would be good if we weren't invited back, because then, right. <laughs> yeah. then you yeah, establish- a good establishes kind of, you one have of that the respect to top teams that you don't want to have to be training against the top teams. But we do want to train with those guys.
1: <laughs> You're listening. We <laughs> you want the invite, but, know, but we don't want the invite. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they'll let me back. I think I'm. I've dropped I've dropped back down to the training level for them. That's how you're going to rank your comeback
2: yeah. by week as to where you get invited to train. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to come train indoors in Toronto?
1: Uh, yeah.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> and
0: you guys, you have established yourselves as a very good kind of up-and-coming contender. I mean, you beat uh, Nikolai and Lupo in the World Championships, right? And you guys had a top-10 finish. And Sam, I mean, you cleaned up in your brief time competing in America. You just ran the NVL. I don't know what it is about this place. I love so, it. <laughs> yeah. So what steps do you guys think you need to take as a team to get into that level where Allison and Bruno are like, we can't have those guys training with us because we don't want them knowing what we're doing?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy because we, we kind of feel like we're already there. I mean, in our in our personal team mind, that's kind of the mindset that we have to put ourselves in where we, are, we already think we're, you know, creme de la creme, top of the world, and we should be making a final every weekend because it's kind of tough to get to that spot without believing it in your heart first. So, I mean... I- this past year, we've had some great results, some good success to build on, and you know we brought in our new coach Aaron Cadu. So he's really enforcing that mindset where we are a top team, and we um, are taking those steps that you're talking about towards uh, being the top team in the world, and more, more, moreover, just being noticed by other teams and recognized as a top team by other teams not just kind
0: of in, in our internal bubble and you guys are now the number one canadian team correct yes. that's kind of a cool thing i bet yeah
3: yeah first time in my career that i can say that so that's exciting for me for sure
2: yeah same for me as well first time uh first time have been ranked number one in canada so but still have yet to win a national championship okay that's that's something that I have to do it at least before I stop playing volleyball but unfortunately they often schedule it on the weekend of an FIVB so the last time I played was with Grant in 2012 was the last time I played our national championship so what is the sorry to interrupt what is the
0: Canadian national championship because we don't really have I guess Manhattan is like our de facto national championship in America but what what is it in Canada
2: Yeah, so it's just, it's usually the conclusion of, we don't have a domestic tour, so it's not as if it's the conclusion of a tour, it's kind of just signaling the conclusion of the Canadian beach volleyball season. There's really, uh, we have provincial tours and provincial tournaments, and then that leads into nationals, so usually the... The top teams from the provincial tour end up at nationals, and then we crown a national champion. But it's no different than any regular tournament. I think it's pools of four and the 16 men's teams. Um, But, yeah, just a situation where I haven't been able to play for a few years. The problem with our national
3: championship is the scheduling conflict but it's also kind of tough to motivate the athletes to attend the tournaments themselves they don't put a lot of prize money on it and it's it's really not an easy tournament if you have all the top teams coming I mean if you know even last year you would have you know Saxon Schalk, Sam and I and then you know O'Gorman and Plantinga and it's like none of those teams are easy to Easy no, to not at all. And it's a and we all know each other, right? So you guys know how tough it is to play domestically. It's it's completely different than international. You have grown and developed playing beside these guys. So everyone knows everyone's shtick. It's not it's not a walkover match and you know, they, they have hosted it in different places as well. So there's another factor in the fact in, in that we're having to travel all the way to Vancouver to play a national championship, spend that, you know, 600 bucks on a flight to win a $3,000 tournament isn't overly motivating for us at the end of a season when we're all kind of, you yeah. know, bagged up and hurt in some situations. So um, for the past, like, you know, three or four years, we haven't had a true national championship that indicates the top team of Canada is crowned the national championship it usually is like our fourth, fifth, sixth teams down that right. actually don't even go and travel internationally and play FIVBs they'll like stay domestically and that's you know the thing that they are all, they're all trying to peak for while we're
1: trying to peak for Vienna Makes sense I I, I remember just being on the road with you guys We obviously Americans, Canadians kind of hang out a lot and I always find that we're always like kind of complaining. Whatever. We're complaining about stuff all the time. Americans are complaining about our national team, our domestic tour. And then you guys always come in and tell us about your domestic tour situation. We're always like, oh, all right. I, guess, I guess us <laughs> Americans will shut up now.
2: And yeah. I mean, what's hilarious is we're talking about we have a few tournaments in Canada that have money. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about trying to amalgamate those. And it's like, hey, then we could have the start of a tour. We're talking tournaments that are paying $2,500 for first, though. So yeah. you think about the AVP when you're, you're cashing out, if you're doing well on the AVP, if you're doing well on our pseudo four tournament uh, domestic <laughs> right. tour, Sam and I are split in 10 grand if we won all four. And to fly to Vancouver from Toronto is the same as to fly from Toronto to California. So right. you're not taking a lot of prize money home at the end of the day. No, that's all guys, perspective. Have you guys thought about doing what Ricardo
0: did this past year and compete on the AVP tour? I mean, ideally, we
3: would love to, but it's not easy to get our green card, right. number one. And number two, I think if all the Canadians did that, you guys would stop letting us in.
0: <laughs> no, I as think someone, in the qual- we as someone in the qualifiers, the better quality, the better. I'd say, you know, maybe don't come over. But as someone who loves watching good beach volleyball, I think the better you can make a product, the better the sport's going to be.
3: I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I played NVL for a couple years there yeah. and Josh and I made some good money playing on that tour and it pissed a lot of Americans off. I mean, they don't want a Canadian team coming in and taking what they think, what they consider is their tournament money,
1: right? Like their prize money. Well, then they should play better.
2: I mean, I think this is the feeling think- <laughs> of the athletes potentially, but when it comes down to you know trying to sell t v rights and things in the states, uh-huh. they may not necessarily be stoked if if two Canadians bought their way into the tournament and then you know go off for yeah, a that's season true. so you know does it end up like a situation like the World Series of beach volleyball where they stack all the Canadians on one side and we all got to play each other and one person comes out successful, but I think you're starting to see a lot more people. Um, migrate towards trying to play on the AVP in any way that they possibly can because of the money situation on the FIVB. It's it's constantly changing. And one thing that has been stable in the last few years is the AVPs had good events with some, some good prize money. The question is, will they stop letting people do that? And, you know, there's five six people who've already done it so you have to ask yourself at what point are they potentially going to say that's it we don't like that which is something that happened with the nbl you used to be able to apply for a wild card and
0: and you would get it you're listening to sandcast beach volleyball with Triborne and travis muerder presented by marriott vacation club rentals and brought to you by volleyballmag.com volleyballmag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball from ncaa women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more volleyballmag.com the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day this podcast is also brought to you by marriott vacation club rentals which offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations wherever you travel florida to fort lauderdale for the first major in february or to the outrigger canoe club in hawaii (laughs) you're up to california choose to rest now luxurious guest rooms suites or villas for your next getaway Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com.
2: And Grant and I were trying to do that for two years, was applied to go down and play in some of the regional championships that had like double prize money but they wouldn't let us come down because they already had too many people coming in and and doing that so i don't know if that's something the avp will do but i think it's a possibility
3: when you think back 10 years ago it was wide open you did have Uh, the AVP open to internationals. That's why you'd have, you know, Loyola playing back in the day. And I know Rich Van Heusen and Josh Binstock and all those guys competed on the AVP tour at one point in time. And I think those guys are actually grandfathered in. So if Rich decided to, you know, come back and play beach volleyball, I think he'd be actually allowed to play on the AVP. But, I mean, you have to think, why did they do that originally? Well, I think they wanted a stronger American development program maybe. Maybe they just wanted... More exclusivity for the so the American teams did better and and got more prize money and were happier. I think as much as it might be driven by the players because they want it just to be an all American event, or it could be a sponsorship issue as well, right? Like they want Americans on TV. I,
0: it's it's kind of I don't know. It's it's an interesting balancing act because I think on the one hand you look at say the NBA which is fascinated by Chris Taps Porzingis, a Latvian, and fascinated by Giannis Antikepano from Greece, I think. And I they not heard that they, pronunciation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they raise the level of play, and also just like they bring a different style. And, you know, watching Kame and Ricardo play Phil and Nick in New York in the first round, and they beat them. And to see Phil and Nick in the contenders bracket playing Casey and Theo for ninth, I think as someone, as a fan of beach volleyball, as someone who, who likes to watch it, it raised the level of play to the point that if I'm
2: televising it, I, that's something that I would want to televise. But I think the difference is you as a volleyball fan know that. Right. And the general public might not know that. And I think the second kind of thing to draw... Or draw a line in the sand is the MBA has kind of unlimited funds essentially, so it's a little bit different. No one in, is saying, "Man, Pazingas has taken my paycheck, yeah. and I don't know if I'm going to be able to support my family this year because this Latvian's coming in and dominating." Um, so I think that's that's the issue. Is there aren't a lot of people in North America who are maybe getting rewarded to the level they should be as a professional athlete um so i think that's the difficulty
0: and i want to get into kind of your guys partnership so this is year two of sam times two correct Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now both of you guys had been having success with your former partner so you and josh binstock as we mentioned cleaned up the nvl ticked off some americans and you guys were playing well as a team and then you and grant were also kind of rising through the ranks as well. What made you decide to join up together as a team? Well, when when after the Olympics was done, Josh had decided
3: he was going to retire. So I was obviously partner searching and looking at the blocking choices that we had in Canada. It was obviously Saxton or Pedlo. And I mean, just watching these guys play, they're both so incredibly physical and talented that, you know, I... I I'm so happy I I ended up choosing Sam just because from a compatibility point of view and playing aside which I think you know obviously the proof is in the pudding he's an unbelievable player most improved so I kind of got him at the right time let's say but uh, from a compatibility point of view I think that's where the secret is right for us we just have this sense on a court for for each other and just more more than just kind of the physicality point of it, it's the mental side. We both vibe on the same frequency so often, and we're able to connect so well. And it just, it, it, you can see it, it reflects in the play and, um, it makes it easy to just live. And, and, you know, this is someone who you're going to be traveling with for months and on at a, you know, at a time. So getting along is actually incredibly critical. And I get along very well with Sam and I hope he, thinks the same. It's <laughs> giving me a look right now. Oh, <laughs> it's mutual.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah so, he's all
3: right.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. What do you think, big man? Well, was Josh retiring. It was easy. There was, there was an open guy. But it was interesting and I get this question a lot because Grant and I actually were had the best season we've ever had together. You know, we, we with Sam and Josh, won the Olympic last chance qualifier. Uh, we got ninth in uh, the Long Beach Grand Slam. So we were doing, like, our point situation was good. For the first time in our career, we'd be starting a season in Grand Slam main draw. We wouldn't have to go through a qualifier. And we're talking seasons where Grant and I had to play 10, 11, 12 qualifiers and didn't qualify for eight in a row some years. Norse
1: so, Yeah, I remember
2: playing you guys on the North yeah, tour. I think we, for a period of time... We we're Canada's, Canada's winningest Norseka team because we'd been to more than anybody else. Um, we've been replaced from that situation, which I'm I'm happy to say that <laughs> someone replaced us. Um, but yeah, we were playing good volleyball. But I think I'd played with Grant for four years, maybe five years at that point, And it was just it was time for a change for me. And we played good volleyball. We were friends but going through that Olympic qualification process and, and everything we'd, we'd been through in the last five years, it, it, it was tough. And, you know, that's why professional NBA, like NBA basketball players, they'll, they'll get traded. And it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but they just need to change. Um, and for me, I just needed to change. And Josh had retired and I knew my best opportunity to continue playing at the level that i thought i could play at was with sam so i, I talked to him after i was done my last tournament and i said hey after world tour finals are over you go do what you got to do with josh but i'd like to sit down after world tour finals are over and, and we had lunch and You know our our goals were aligned, and we played the Continental Cup finals. I think three weeks after that, we trained. I think like only twelve or thirteen times, and we had to beat Cuba two in the semifinal and Cuba one in the finals. So we had a good run there, and I think then we kind of both knew that we had the potential to be a really strong international team, and we hit the ground running last year. And yeah, I can't wait to get out to Fort Lauderdale in a couple weeks. Did year
0: one meet? or exceed expectations because I don't think that just looking at the success you had I mean you had most improved a pretty darn good finish at world championships I don't think they would have fallen short of whatever expectations you held so how did you how would you evaluate year one somewhat satisfied I think that
3: looking forward our expectations are brand new but I mean you never totally know with a new partnership what it's going to look like moving forward and and there, there's always that element of uncertainty, but after our first result, we were kind of almost, I mean, I was sh- a little shocked, because I hadn't really beaten Cuba before, and we kind of, like, smashed everyone at that first tournament. And it's, you know, you're thinking, okay, maybe it's honeymoon phase, maybe we're just getting along real well, mm-hmm. you know, how teams kind of start really well, and then kind of tail off. And uh, so I was thinking, okay, m- you know, maybe this is one of those situations, but when I you know when when you kind of get into the meat of training that's when you kind of get over that honeymoon phase and you kind of settle into what your team is probably going to be I mean barring a few adjustments and that's when I kind of came to that realization oh my god like this could be a top 10 team in the world kind of deal and I mean progressively through the year I think our expectations began to morph and change and we expected more of each other of each other and the team and like looking and in, going into terms where like we weren't thinking okay let you know let's get out of pool play and then we'll battle in playoffs and we'll see how deep we can go it was like okay like let's how are we going to get to this this quarter how are we going to get to the semifinal? how are we going to win this tournament so i mean it was it was really exciting that progression and how that that kind of transformed as we as we got better and grew together
2: yeah and i think definitely my expectations changed as soon as i started playing with sam i used to be really fired up with coming ninth like ninth was a good job good week we did it and that was kind of the let's get to ninth and now the expectation is top 10 every time and if you get ninth it's some it's no longer that same satisfaction because you see you see the fifth place match you see moving into the semi-final and you know we did a good job last year we we finished every tournament in the top 10 we took home a couple fifths um but those ninths are, are no longer satisfying. those are the ones that sting because you see yourself if, if we would have won that match, you can see yourself winning the next one and moving into the semifinals. So moving into this year, you know the expectations are different. We, we want to continue to play very high level ball, and we know if we do that, you know we'll start breaking quarterfinals more consistently, and when you do that, you're going to break into a semifinal and then that's your chance, right? So yeah, I'm excited to uh, to move into 2018. that's for sure.
0: with with Kame and Ben breaking up and you guys assuming that top spot, is there not that you weren't representing Canada before, but I feel like now it's a whole new level of taking that country's pride with you as the number one team. Is that something that you've thought about at all? or is that you know not really any added pressure or expectations or anything like that? I mean, it is a
3: responsibility, of course, right? Like, we're looking to get the top results at every single tournament for the men's side, at least, right? Like, we still got some really good female representation, so maybe there's not as much pressure as, like, the entire country is just relying on <laughs> you. But, um, no, I I mean, it's, it's incredible to be representing Canada on that level, being the number one team as, like, a clearly defined thing, which... Um, Uh, As we said before, we haven't really had that in the past, so I'll let you know.
2: (laughs) And I I think it's interesting, too, um, just the differences between Canadian and American volleyball culture. Like, when I'm in Canada and talking and I say, oh, yeah, Phil, I just expect people to know who that person is. And they most likely do know who that person is. But no one knows who we are. Like, uh, Canadian volleyball... Canadian volleyball culture has a long way to go to become, you know, mass media in the volleyball community. Sure. We're maybe the most recognized men's volleyball team playing right now, but that's not a huge pool of people. So when you talk about expectations along a Canadian sporting circle, it's probably more pressure put on ourselves to say, Hey, we're the top Canadian team. We want to represent extremely well than other people telling us we need to do that. Um, but I'm hoping that changes. I'm hoping, you know, as the next Olympics comes around, people know who we are, and, and they're expecting us to medal because we know we're doing our job. If if, if people know who we are and uh, and going into the Olympics, they're saying, we want these guys to perform, so... I'd love for Canadian volleyball to get to the where it is in the States um, where you're almost a household name. I don't think everyone's a household name yet but I think you know those top teams people know who they are and they're following them along and and they're active on their social media. So I think that's the evolution uh, hopefully around the world that we see with uh, respect to beach volleyball.
1: I think we have like two or three household names in our sport in the well, U.S. You have a podcast now, so you're a household name. Yeah. Well, now, yes. now that you've been on the podcast, you're both household <laughs> names yeah. 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 everywhere. everywhere. In the States, up, <laughs> but not <Yeah>. Canada. <laughs> we got to get this uh,
2: get this out in Canada. I even watch the AVP finals in Canada on NBC every Sunday. Like, it's just on mm-hmm. my PBR, it's just blanketed right across. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome that it's broadcast up north, too. I mean, it's snowing when we're watching it, but <laughs> at least I can watch.
0: <laughs> have you guys thought about... Moving down here to train Because I know that Came and Ben sort of did that In their last year Of their partnership I mean it's tricky
3: It's tricky Because we have family Family Families to think about And deal with at home And uh I mean, Sam was a physio. I mean, he is a certified physiotherapist, and he's got a job at home that he has to uh, go to, and I coach at home as well, which I I suppose I could do down here, but I would have to probably get a green card to be able to work down here. And unfortunately, we don't have as much funding as we would like if we were uh, compensated enough that we did not have to work and subsidize ourselves. uh, Yeah, I would for sure love to come down here. It's not only a fantastic... training environment but the weather the lifestyle meets
1: all of our needs so i'm sure uh sam pedlo your your wife doesn't (laughs)
2: want you to move here well i think it's it's (laughs) interesting um it's always an interesting conversation because how much are you training is always the question i have because if the season ends in say october and that would be like a late finish for the calendar in the last two years um, most guys are taking November, December off. We're also taking November, December off. So, I mean, if you don't mind winter, it's just winter in Canada. It, it's off-season. You can go skiing, do outdoor activities. And then you start to fire it up again in January, So which a lot of the American teams then start to train. All right,
0: that'll do it for part one with Sam Schachter and Sam Pedla. We appreciate you guys listening. Good luck to all of the teams at FIVB Fort Lauderdale we do have a bias towards our American team. So good luck to you guys, but good luck to our new Canadian friends as well. We're rooting for all of y'all to play some high-level ball. Catch us next week on Sandcast for part two with Sam Times 2, Sam Schachter and Sam Pedlow.